How does it feel? Feel. Mm -mm. How does it feel? Said I want to know right, right now. How does it feel? Oh, oh. <laughs> how does. You know, I need my blunt right now, sweetheart. I was usually going to wait till like halftime. But man, it's not that I'm stressed. I'm just ready to get to the day. You feel what I'm saying? I mean, we've been up. You, you've been up since like what? Five? Four? Four, five. Okay. And it, uh, it dawns on me when I wake up at like 4.45, 5 o'clock. I've only been asleep for like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I've only been sleeping for like 10, 15 minutes. And so um, we got to do something about that sleep. I think I said I just need to be more active in the daytime. Therefore, I can sleep more in the nighttime. I think your, your sleep schedule is off because you went to sleep early last night, but you... What's up? You, I think you went to sleep at like what? You, okay, you went to sleep on the couch at like eight or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you got into bed at like ten, mm -hmm. and then you stayed asleep the whole night. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Let's start the show, Peter. The people don't care about my sleep <laughs> schedule, man. Man, sometimes it still like blows my mind that we have not one but two theme songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to another rousing episode of Who Wake and Bake We Be Mo. I'm your host, culture analyst B Mo. Make sure we're saying good morning to the lens of my camera body, okay? The 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 POS to my store. The lady of the house, let's make sure we're saying good morning to the lady of the house. That's p position of sale, point of sale, not piece of shit. Of yeah, I called you the point of sale to my retail store. Could you have a retail store without a point of sale, sweetheart? Could you have a camera without a lens? Didn't think so. All right. <laughs> Get him out. <laughs> but people saying good morning, though, make sure people are saying good morning to the lady of the house. That is a mandatory uh, requisite right here for the show. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Wake and Bake with BMO is your chance to really invest into the development of black culture, whether you're black or not. Uh, we discuss various topics from various points in time. Uh, the theory or the thesis, excuse me, for season four is we're going to figure out how to get rid of this race thing. I don't know how we going to do it. I take that back. I know exactly how we're going to do it. We're going to do it through the new Blueprint newsletter. Make sure you sign up for the new Blueprint newsletter. We drop a newsletter every other week, every couple of weeks, or whenever the whenever the motivation hits me to, 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 to write the new Blueprint newsletter. You know what we need, though? We need an editor. <laughs> Not for the new Blueprint. Um, the new Blueprint newsletter, but for the entire Wake and Bake with BMO ecosystem. That includes the show. That includes the clips that we make. That includes the, the newsletter. It also includes something that we'll unveil later on in time, the new Black Brain Trust. We're going to need an editor for all of these things, but that's not the case. Right now, I just want to welcome you to the show. 
We have some great things we want to talk about this morning. Uh, we want to present to you, of course, like we do every Thursday, our Paul Robeson Negro of the Week. We have an amazing email from one of Imani's uh, community members. I don't even want to call her that because she's not in my community. From from not a coworker, but you know, like coworker adjacent. An associate. Yeah, they're an associate. <laughs> from associate from the lady of the house, Imani. We're gonna bring up that email. But first, Lady of the House, I have to and I feel like this I feel like the, the shape of the show still forms as we go along. Yeah. And it feels like you let me know if I'm wrong, sweetheart. It feels like this first segment, because a lot of people are still waking up. A lot of people are still getting getting into the day. We, you know what I'm saying? The audience is still coming in. I really felt like this first segment has is belonging to academia for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like every first segment we got to read from a book. We got to read from some quotes. We got to <laughs> read from the actual real world to find out what's going on other than just the, the machinations that are happening in my mind. And so uh, when I was on a research team, when I was sleeping with Superman, there was something, Lady of the House... Something that I discovered in my cultural investigations that I think is very important. Okay. There has been a war that has been happening in the fan art section of life, section of art, section of creativity that has waged and there's already a winner and loser. That's crazy. This war... I saw a YouTube video this morning's uh, title say that this war could actually have been the primer for the critical race theory um, conversation that's happening in politics and in American culture. To which I would say 1619 Project introduced the uh, critical race theory into American culture. And then, of course, critical race theory itself introduced itself into uh, American culture. But if you want to put this particular war into that, I understand because Americans have a hard problem discerning between discovery and colonialism. So crazy. Everything you said ties into it later. It does? The letter, yeah. (laughs) I love when we have a theme of the show. (laughs) There was a war, sweetheart. And uh, the war was lost by our people. Mm -hmm. The progressives, the liberators, the abolitionists. We lost this war. And um, I think it's my duty to tell you about it. There were, there are two prominent reimaginations of classic American icons that have happened in America over the last year. Mm-hmm. One of which made $100 million plus over the weekend. That's a Little Mermaid. <laughs> Another day, we'll talk about how ain't no black men in a Little Mermaid, but for right now, the reimagination of a white American icon as a black person has generated a financial success for Disney. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, which I think is more indicative of the status of the war, we have Velma. Uh, you can put up that first one, first one, sweetheart. The lady in the house, I, we watched Velma. 
Was it the greatest show we'd ever seen? No. Was it the worst thing that I've ever seen? Absolutely not. Uh, I'm looking at you, She-Hulk, because goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you, season four of Ted Lasso. Yeah, I said it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> season, what was it? Season four of uh, Marvelous Maisel. Oh, marvelous Miss Maisel! After you, after she uh, betrayed that black man, man, I'm looking at you. Right. Not a good show, <laughs> but according to the IMDb reviews, the worst rated animated show in television history. Mm-hmm. Why am I telling you this? Because there is a war that has happened. Was Velma bad? Yes. Was it the worst animated television show in American history? Absolutely not. No. Go to the next one. So the lady in the house, she brought up, she brought up this article the other day. She said that Velma was the worst show, and then so we looked on IMDb to see what the other worst shows are. We have Late Night Lily, we have Santa Inc., which is two Jewish people producing the Christmas special. We have another woman centric show. We have The View, which is woman centric. We have Honey Boo Boo, which is woman centric. We have The Kardashians, which is woman centric. We have Ben Ten, which is just uniquely trash. Uh, we have Chad, which is trans trans centric. Uh, we have all these other shows. The Bachelors is woman centric. We have all of these these things, all of these shows that are woman-centric. And if you brown and woman, mm, you all the way down the list. So it's no, it is not a surprise to me that Late Night with Lily Singh and Velma, Mm -hmm. two brown woman-led shows, are amongst the worst rated shows on IMDb. As a scientific note, I must also add that the ratings on IMDb are not from journalists. (laughs) No. These are not from objective viewers. These are from the American people or the global person. Mm-hmm. Ema, what you talking about, man? What, what the fuck going on? Here's what I'm saying. There was a war, and I think Lady House, you can put up the next picture. Yeah, yeah. There was a war in the fan art community, deviant art, Tumblr to a certain degree, about race bending or fixing art. Fixing being, how do we make these animated symbols more inclusive of the American body? How do we turn a staple like Scooby-Doo, which is supposed to be a group of friends solving mysteries, how do we make that more representative of society now? So when uh, an artist posts a picture like this one, we have a black Scooby-Doo, we have a, not black Scooby-Doo, we have a, a black Shaggy, we have an Asian Daphne, we have a white Fred, and we have a, a brown Velma. You and I, maybe the progressives on this call, you and I is like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Keep scrolling. This picture right here also, by started the way, a three-year Can we also war. just mention that just from, from a, from a scientific this perspective? Pic- no, not the video, the picture. It doesn't make a video up yet, not yet. This picture, before Velma was even in pre-production, caused uproar on social media. And I'd love to tell you, sweetheart, that it was 50-50. That fit, there was 100 people on Twitter, 50 of them was like, man, this is pretty cool. The other 50 was like, what the fuck are we doing? It was 97-3. 97% of the people, or 97% of the stat that I just made up, 
thought that thought that thought that by race bending these characters by making them more inclusive to the american people who currently live in america that this somehow was a bastardization of scooby-doo and therefore inappropriate or as the anti-fixer said lacks artistic integrity well i'm thirsty this morning so What's the war, BMO? We had a war. We had a we had a group of individuals who were trying to fix art by making it more inclusive. The four ways that they were making it more inclusive, I gotta look at my notes. Uh, they wanted to include more dark-skinned people. They wanted them to wear more non-traditional clothing outside of the Americana aesthetic. They wanted them to have non-archetypal bodies. You know, the you know all women in cartoons look the same. I don't understand what's up with that. Mm -hmm. And they also wanted the girls and women to be desexualized. Why? Because they felt like these four parts of representation would create a more diverse, a more wholesome view of what people are looking for in these iconic moments. And so the anti-fixers, uh, uh, they consider themselves traditionalists. On one hand, you have your fixers, people who are trying to make things more diverse. On the other hand, you have your anti-fixers, people who are more traditionalists. These are individuals who, like Matt Walsh, think that science plays a part in imagination. Play the video, sweetheart. Listen to this dumbass man. Also, by the way, with The Little Mermaid, can, can we also just mention that just from, a, from a scientific perspective, okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have someone with darker skin who lives deep in the ocean. I mean, if anything, I mean, not only should the Little Mermaid be pale, she should actually be translucent. If you look at deep sea creatures, they're like translucent. They have no kind of pigmentation whatsoever. And they're just like these horrifying, they look like skeletons floating around in the ocean. That's what the Little Mermaid should look like. She should be totally pale where, and skeletal where you can see her skull through her face. And that would actually be a version of Little Mermaid that I would watch. Traditionalists believe, <laughs> traditionalists believe that if there was to be any innovation that were happening on these classic iconic figures, they should be more realistic. As if all deep sea creatures are just made of skeletons. I don't know if my man's seen a clownfish before. Has he seen a, what, wait, wait, what the fish you named earlier? A clownfish, a shark. You seen a shark? Sharks got color, they gray. Whales got color, Tiger they sharks. blue. They got stripes. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about here? But the, the, the thought of the anti-fixer, the thought of the, tra the traditionalist is, I would rather follow inane scientific laws that I just made up off the top of my head rather than consider <laughs> adjusting American iconography so that it's more representative of American people. And I would love to tell you people, oh my God, I would love to tell you that the fixers, that the people who believe in more diverse uh, depictions of American iconography have won that war, but they lost. Sweetheart, they lost. But BMO, The Little Mermaid, yeah, The Little Mermaid came out, but ain't no black man in the movie. That's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> Ain't no black people in the movie. I'm not going to talk down on Little Mermaid. I think I want to go back to Velma, though. Because this is how you get the worst rated animated show in history. Had the fixers won, I don't think Velma would be the most, uh, the lowest rated animated show in IMDb history. 
I don't think it's the case. I think if there were uh, abundance of people, if it was more 50-50, like I had suggested before, if it was more of a 50-50 situation, I believe that Velma would be rated correctly. But because the anti-fixers won, because the traditionalists won, because the people who view American iconography as forever white, we must always cater to the white audience in America, mm -hmm. we've lost. Yeah. And the proof, go back to that video, the proof is right there. The proof is also, right by there. the way, with the Little Mermaid, not that one. Come on. Not that one. <laughs> what video? Uh, Velma sucks. Oh, the proof is right here. In America, the lowest-rated TV show is a soccer story, <laughs> <laughs> and then above that we have Velma. I don't know, sweetheart. I don't know. I don't know. I look at this war. Uh, I don't agree with the YouTube video that I saw earlier saying that this that this war, which they call, uh, which is a result of Gamergate, which is uh, adjusting the target audience for artistic expressions. I don't know. Um, I forgot what I was about to say. What I was about to say. Uh, you say you don't agree with the YouTube video. You oh, I don't agree with the YouTube video that this is the initiation of a culture war that's happening in America. But I do think this situation, this very strong dichotomy, and you can go on YouTube and just put up fixers, just type in fixers, and you'll see the thousands of videos of individuals who are tearing down that Scooby-Doo art, who are tearing down Velma, who are tearing down the thought of race bending or adjusting any American iconography so it looks more like uh, diverse people. You will see there is an overwhelming support for people who are traditionalists, even on the progressive side. I've had people, when I've had this conversation with my progressive friends say, why the fuck would you want a black Velma? Why the fuck would you want a black Shaggy? And which I hear them like, why would I want black versions of white shows? But damn, right. you against it? Right. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it's, it, is, it is a beautiful thing to say we should have our own we should have our own Scooby-Doo. Damn it. Yeah, right. We should have our own Scooby-Doo. But we don't. Right. I'm thinking back to, you remember back in like maybe the 2010s, early 2000s, when people would do like the fan art, but they would do like traditional white characters in like urban clothes or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So where does that fall in? Like, is that considered <laughs> fixing? Oh, I remember the Warner Brothers shirts. Yeah. When you see the police, Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All the baddie princesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, does that fall in line with the fixers? Or, like, I don't, because I don't remember seeing any outrage over <laughs> no, because like white people can dress up as black folks until they <laughs> blew in the face. Yeah. <laughs> white folks have had a history of dressing up as black as black folks as blackface. So I'm not surprised to see white icons in black spaces. True. But there is no outrage from those same people that's like, why is she acting black? Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, sweetheart? What are your thoughts on this on this lost war? On Matt Walsh? On this on this thought that the American icons can't be black. They must be white for artistic integrity. Well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, I don't understand the outrage when <laughs> these white icons can be pretty much fluid and <laughs> <laughs> appear in whatever form that people see fit. But the second you try to introduce a black character or, you know, a revision, then... It's ridiculous. Right. Do we not exist? No, we don't, sweetheart. We don't exist. Way to bring that up.
Hmm. We got any comments? Uh, we got a couple. Good morning. Who we got in the house? Let's see, selfie Saf. Is that Safia? Hey, Goddess Sheba. Sheba. Rush, uh, Rochelle. Oh, it's my man Ross. Okay. What's up, Ross? He said, "I think ladies said it felt okay until they discovered he's five six. Who? Mm. That was like when we first started. What do you say? I think Lady said it felt okay until they discovered he's 5'6". Oh, D'Angelo. <laughs> God damn. He's 5'6". Oh, look at you, disappointed too. <laughs> um, oh, KB. She's here. The dream! Uh, creative Uprising. Mr. Ron David said good morning. Ron David! That's where I got that jacket from. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Ron David got me looking good in these streets. What's yeah. up, man? <laughs> Wanderers. Hey, Ron David, style me for the Emmys, man. What's up? <laughs> Let me borrow some clothes. Let me borrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, y'all. Hold on. Can I just oh, make a comment real quick? Because the show wasn't going to go here. So when we... Okay, so uh, I don't even know if Ron is still on the line. But when I was going to look for... Who was I looking at for? Oh, for the was it for the men's day? No, it was I, the whammies. Oh, I was looking for an outfit for the whammies. And I tried a couple stylists. Uh, not enough time in advance and too many barriers that they couldn't adhere to. So I went around town to some of the best shops that I knew. And the first shop that came to mind was Ron Davis Studio over in Union Market. Can I just, can I just, it's the first day of Pride. So I, can I tell my truth? Okay. As a straight black man, Sometimes when I go into these boutique stores, I feel like I'm not supposed to be there. Why? Because I feel like, I feel like, and this is totally me, this is nothing to do with Ron Davis. This is all me, 100% me. I feel like, uh, I just feel like these spaces are better served for women and queer people. And as a straight man, I always feel uncomfortable with like in these boutique spaces because I feel like, I'm not girl enough. Man, just being honest, like I'm not enough for these stores. And so when I went to Ron Davis shop, I'm, I walked in and out of his store three times. Yeah. I walked in, saw the jacket, loved it. Instead of like trying it on, asking questions, I got nervous. I was like, oh man, maybe I'm not fly enough. I'm already sweaty. Like they don't want me in their clothes. That's what I was thinking. Walked in, back in the second time, trying to call the lady of the house. She didn't answer the phone. Walked in the third time, caught with the lady of the house on the phone. Got it, bought it, felt comfortable. All that to say that I felt more comfortable with the lady of the house by my side instead of going in by myself. I don't like that about myself. Okay. That's all. What's up, Ron David? Good morning. Who's next? Who else on the line? Uh, Yash said good morning. Good morning, Yash. Hey. Um, Princess said <laughs> Warner Brother. Yeah, Warner <laughs> Brother. <laughs> Princess, you remember when Bugs Bunny was in, yeah. the, in these big ass jeans? Yeah. <laughs> they wasn't calling him black then. Right. Or maybe that just didn't have the internet. I, I didn't have the uh, capacity to listen to bitch ass niggas like Matt, Matt Walsh. We got, we got any other comments? No, that's, that's it. I mean, KB said good morning. But... Good morning. All right, y'all. Uh, what time is it? Oh, perfect time. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more. Wake and bake with B Mo. During the break, I want y'all to watch my man Nomad the Natives music video for the Anti Social Social Club shot right at the small wooden box. Make sure y'all checked it out. Make sure y'all check it out now and on all social media platforms. We're not going to play the whole video, so stick tight and we'll be right back.
Hello? Yo, what's going on with you, brother? I got a party tonight for us to go to. Come ride with me. Uh, mm, nah, I'm gonna just kick it in the crib tonight. Nigga, you always do this shit, yo. Come ride with me to this party. You always ask the same question, but the answer don't change, so... I'm gonna just catch you next time. We, we good, bro. Check it. Either you come with me to this party, I'm gonna bring the party to you. Good luck, nigga. My door is locked. Oh, this motherfucker done hung up on me. Three hours later. Yo! Nigga, I know you hear me. I'ma join the anti-social social club Hit my phone, you know what's up Drinking late and everybody know the shit I be out the mix with the shit so I don't need that Hit me with the split for the lick and the recap I'ma join the anti-social social club Hit my phone, you know what's up Drinking late and everybody know the shit I be out the mix with the shit so I don't need that Hit me with the split the lick, the recap I don't know, dog. Sometimes I'm a menace. Call me old dog. Mama ain't raised no show off. But I got the scale, might as well get the flow off. Stun a little bit, brush them all off. They don't really love me, they just like the idea. That's a oh nah. Certain social circles seem so false, like your wall. Friend of me sucking your energy, enemies trying to get rid of me. People prefer the proximity. I get it, but won't let them limit me. Feel free to keep it private. Nosy niggas wildin', riding through the city like Batman and D&D. My Robin, quiet, phone always on, but the ring will be on silent. I've been trying to stay about the way. I trade my locks for waves. This the kind of vibe you couldn't confiscate. Straight from the source, never concentrate. Take care of my chickens, can't nobody take them off my plate. I should infiltrate the anti-social social club. Hit my phone, you know what's up. Tricky letting everybody know the shit. I be out the mix with the shit, so I don't need that. Hit me with the split for the lick. Recap. I'ma join the anti-social social club. Hit my phone, you know what's up. Tricky letting everybody know. The something, the recap. <laughs> Appreciate that, Nomad. Make sure y'all go check out Nomad the Creator on social media platforms. I mean, Nomad the Native on all social media platforms. Make sure you go watch the video on YouTube. There should be a significant difference between before he was on the show and after he was on the show. Great music video. Every time I watch yeah. the music video, I get a new Easter egg. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It includes some of my favorite creatives from um, from the from the area per se. Feels like a Where's Waldo. It does feel like a Where's Waldo, sweetheart. (laughs) Where's Nomad? (laughs) Call Nomad. Tell him we got a Halloween um, outfit for him. Uh, Drew said, good morning, female lady of the house. It's been a minute since I could catch it. Catch a wake and bake. Who said this? Uh, Drew. Drew! Yeah, we be watching on YouTube, Drew. We be watching a little... um, Yeah. We saw your face reveal. Oh, yeah. Okay, we saw that. We saw the face reveal. We saw the Mario. We saw some of the Mario mm-hmm. levels, which is always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but what we need to see, though, we need to see some clips from this comedy show you had, though. 
Comedy don't think show. niggas ain't paying attention. This nigga has done two stand-up comedy shows. Oh wow! Two stand-up specials. Okay, I'm, I, I, are the jokes not funny? Cause I ain't seen them. What's up, bro? <laughs> yeah, comedy is a uh, comedy's hard. Comedy's hard as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. I remember when we were doing uh, the Wake and Bake Live, and I was doing the show in front of other people. Yeah. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> this silence in here is way different than right. like 25 people watching you in the silence right. like oh they're just looking at you <laughs> y'all niggas is really listening <laughs> god damn <laughs> so we uh we are very proud of you drew and welcome back to the show man i know in uh in texas what it's like seven o'clock yeah 7 30 yeah. 7 30 so yeah i mean good morning brother you must have got that job <laughs> <laughs> must have got that job all right sweetheart I'm about to, write, I'm about to uh, spark this blunt while I'm sparking this blunt. I want to remind the people to go over to bmobrown.substack.com to check out the new blue pre, the new blueprints newsletter. That is the written version of Wake and Bake with BMO, where we take it just a step further and we provide more concrete evidence and some really written solutions to how uh, we can see these blueprints played out in black culture. Um, I keep saying it on this season, and I really mean it. I don't... I gotta tell you something else, sweetheart. Okay. Uh, if you go onto my Instagram story right now, Afropunk posted a TikTok of a young lady. Oh, it's Preston Mitchum. Yeah. You know, my hero. Mm -hmm. Preston Mitchum is on, I can't remember what reality show is he's on right now. Are you on a reality show? He's on a, he's on a reality show. I think like wow. Martha's Vineyard something. What? The Bad Bitches of Martha Vineyard. I can't remember. It's something, it's something cool though. I'm never uh, <laughs> But on the, and this is why I would love to see more revolutionaries, more prognostic, pro, prognosticators, prognosticators on reality TV. Because in the middle of the show, Preston Mitchum says, I can't stand black excellence. Oh, wow. <laughs> Preston is a lawyer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, uh, an elite black socialite, if you will, mm -hmm. an influencer. He's on a reality television show. Yeah. He has some type of clout. And in the middle of the reality television show, he says, I can't stand black excellence. Now that's the type of exposure to new blueprints that we need, or at least exposure to old blueprints. So Afropunk posts a TikTok of a young lady, her name, she goes by Critical Grace Theory, mm -hmm. Nigerian. Mm -hmm. And this young lady creates a three-minute video of how black excellence is essentially the talented 10th. Yeah. Sound familiar, right? Yeah, right. Um, it broke my heart this morning. What? Um, it broke my heart because, and I put the comment, I put a comment under the, under the Afropunk video. I sent a, I sent a note to uh, uh, grace theory as well. It broke my heart. Um, and this, and I'm saying this because I feel like this is our purpose as creative, not creative theory. Wow. Uh. Our, uh, purpose as wake and bake with BMO. It broke my heart because the only thing the young lady did was expose the old blueprint. Mm. That's it. Uh, remember when we were hanging out with, uh, with Kramer yeah. and she was with a home girl. Shannon. Shannon, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Chandra. Um, <laughs> we were hanging out with Shannon, and Shannon brought up the the fun fact about laughing barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I doubled down on that fact, talking about how else do laughing barrels show up in the black community? How else can we get rid of that old blueprint? What's the new blueprint for laughing out loud? And Shannon said to me, she said, I, I love a fun fact, but I love people who can interpret that fun fact and take it forward. Take it forward. Yeah. 
the thing that broke my heart was that like Afropunk posted this young lady's TikTok. One, I was jealous. And two, I was like, she's only doing half the work. Mm, yeah. It's not enough. It's not enough to just say that black excellence is the talented 10th mm -hmm. or even to explain the history of the talented 10th. It's not enough. You must take it a step further and answer the question about replacing the talented 10th with a better, more progressive system. Um, but this young lady is doing content creation. We're not doing content creation. Right. We might make content. There may be some entertaining things here, but I really think at the very core of the show, at the very basis of the show, also at the very base of the New Blueprint newsletter is actual action. We want to make shit happen. Mm -hmm. What are you about to say, sweetheart? Uh, Drew asked, how does, I guess, Preston mention define black excellence? He got other comments too, but... Huh? Oh, how does Preston mention divine black excellence? I don't know. I didn't watch the show. Okay. I just heard him say something to the like something to the effect like the aesthetic of black excellence, or even like how we think about black excellence as this exclusionary group that's going to save the race, or exclusionary tactics and skills that are going to save the race. That's nothing but respectability politics again. It's nothing but cosminess. Mm -hmm. That's nothing but town the tenth. That's nothing but blacks except exceptionalism. That's nothing but the boule. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Um, the bougie folks that ain't nothing but Jack and Jill. It's the same thought. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just it just has a new name. It just has a new name. Yeah, like they calling white claw like white claws are white claws instead of forties. Like you really drinking a forty <laughs> in different smaller cans, bro. Like stop fucking playing with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you uppity because you drink white claws. Get out of my face, bro. You drinking malt liquor? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm more sustainable and better for the earth because I live in a tiny home, bitch. You live in a mobile home. Stop playing with me. <laughs> I'm in a community of Tyler Holmes. You're in a trailer park, ho. What you talking about? <coughs> Capitalism got y'all fucked up. We're not going there, though. <laughs> Subscribe to the new Blueprint uh, newsletter. Sweetheart, you know what time it is. We got more comments, though? Yeah, we do. Okay, so Drew said, actually, his second show is on Father's Day, and it's, all, it's also the day before Juneteenth, so expect some black-ass moments. I've been featured in a lot of other people's shows trying to grow a network. Also, don't tell anybody, but... Don't tell anybody. <laughs> this September, I'm going to New York City to audition for Amateur Night at the Apollo. Oh, nice! Right? <laughs> there is no losing at the Apollo. No. Even if you get booed. Right. Lauren Hill got booed. Lauren Hill got booed. She sure did. <laughs> she turned that thing around, too. Right. You'll be all right. And I'd love to meet the same man. The right. oldest coon in America. <laughs> Love it. Ugh. Love it. All right, so wait, we got more comments? Uh, Akila. Akila. <laughs> On YouTube says, Grand Rising. Bimo and Lady of the House, top of the morning. Bimo Nights. Bimo Nights unite. Happy Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Akila. Hey, Akila. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, I see the Kayla. Oh, yeah, and uh, Natalie that laughed at the trailer parks. I'm saying, oh, yeah. I live in a community of sustainable housing. Bitch, that's a trailer park. <laughs> Stop playing with me, man. Stop. That ain't nothing wrong living in a trailer park. Right. I just need you to keep that same energy. Because right. in 1995. Right, you can't be looking down on somebody in a uh, trailer park if you in a tiny home. <laughs> Those your ancestors. <laughs> okay? Stop playing with us, man. Smooth my edges back. <laughs> This morning, we have a very controversial. Well, you know what time it is, we are. It's time for the. Oh. 
Hold on, let me drink some water first. <laughs> it's time for the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week Award. Just as a recap on our first Paul Robeson Negro of the Week Award, we highlighted a community member. His name is LeVar Jones. He's been doing the work and answering the question of what are black people doing in their own communities? Go follow LeVar Jones and you figure out. Last week, our Paul Robeson Negro of the Week was Tina Damn Turner. Mm -hmm. No explanation needed. This week, the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week is a little controversial. It's a little controversial because I'm, hmm. Sweetheart, I need you to keep me honest. Okay. Am I a sellout? Play the video. <laughs> yeah, TD Jakes. Oh, you gotta. There you go. TD Jakes Group and Wells Fargo are announcing a 10 year partnership to build communities for all income levels. Now, this partnership includes a commitment of one, up to $1 billion with a B from Wells Fargo to help pay for various projects. Their first project is a mixed income housing and retail development outside Atlanta. The nearly 95 acre property is a former army base, Fort McPherson, which is right next to Tyler Perry Studios. The TD Jakes Group is a conglomerate of four business units, TD Jakes Ministries and TD Jakes Foundation, those are nonprofits, while TD Jakes Enterprises and TD Jakes Real Estate Ventures are for profit entities. T.D. Jakes himself also presides over the Potter's House Church, but the church is not affiliated with this Wells Fargo partnership. We welcome you, Bishop. It's so good to have you at the oh, table. Oh, thank you okay. for having me. It's good, good to be with you. Yeah. Clearly, you, so you have a lot going on in your life, but explain exactly how this is going to work and why you wanted to do it now. I think it's imperative. The fierce urgency of now indicates to us the fact that the future looks very bleak, particularly for minorities, uh, black people, brown people, and also poor white people who are finding it difficult, workforce people, to find a job, mm -hmm. to find opportunities to get housing, to get upward mobility, to have communities that are built in uh, repressed neighborhoods and revitalize the community, giving the homeowners who live there or people who lived in the community a chance to stay there for affordable rates. So this is an exciting moment for us. We're really, really thrilled to be able to do it. So Wells Fargo is committing to up to a billion dollars to fund these projects, pay for is the way we put it. That's not a donation, right? That's an no, investment. No, no, no. They want to make money off it. Well, no, no, it's not. A, I don't know what they want to do, but it's not a donation. It's a commitment to supporting initiatives to raise up communities that have been repressed. Was, was Wells Fargo your only option on this, or, or what made you comfortable with Wells Fargo? And the reason I ask that is, you know, they have a recent history. Uh, in fact, just in December, they uh, paid a $3.7 billion uh, fine Absolutely. to settle um, accusations of illegal overdraft fees, illegal fees tied to car loans, illegal fees tied to mortgages. This is money they were taking out of the pockets of low-income people that you're trying to help now. Right, and, and, and that's exactly the reservations that I had with them as well. Initially, several years ago, when they talked to me, I would not do business with them for those very reasons. Uh, that settlement that came out came from the previous administration. They have a new leader now, they have a new administration, and they're beginning to right some of the wrongs. This is not going to right at all at once, yeah. but it is a start toward uh, 
justifying and rectifying some of the mistakes that have been made previously. The other reason is when other banks stood back and looked, Wells Fargo stood up mm -hmm. and said, you know, I'm willing to make this unlikely alliance, this very uh, unique alliance. Uh, I've written a book called Disruptive Thinking, and this disruptive alliance between us is designed to lift up underserved, underrepresented communities. What So T.D. Jakes is the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week. Why? Because this thought process of providing affordable housing under a private um, partnership between T.D. Jakes, who is a trusted member of the community, we'll get to that in a second, and Wells Fargo, who is trying to make a reprimand of some of their racially biased mistakes in the past, <clears throat> to create a community of affordable housing, community centers, and grocery stores on an old army base right next to Tyler Perry Studios. Mm -hmm. dog. this sounds like the solution, right? We had a question on Tuesday in which the question was, can we live without whiteness? Meaning, can we fully separate ourselves from blackness? And the lady of the house asked an interesting question. She asked, are there any white organizations who are doing the work of, tr of trying to integrate whiteness into blackness instead of blackness into whiteness. Mm -hmm. And I believe Micah came up with the response, there are missionaries and Catholic churches who are doing that work. Mm -hmm. And which I could think, the, the, the one that comes to my mind is the dude, the white dude out of Chicago, uh, I can't remember his name, but I, feel, just, I can't remember his name, but somebody throw it in the chat. There's a white man, there's a white minister in Chicago who's always doing very black things. And I think about the Catholic ministries who send missionaries over to impoverished countries in Africa and in the Middle East to do the work of, you know, uh, healing the people and, you know, through spirit and through prosperity, right? I believe this to be the step forward. Okay. Brian, why are you talking, Brian, BMO, why are you talking so hesitantly? Because <clears throat> I am a progressionist. I believe that there are steps towards the <clears throat> liberating point. Right? When you think about the liberation of black folks, let's talk about black business or black entertainment, the black aesthetic. In America, it didn't go from we were slaves one day to now we got Tyler Perry land. Right. It took some steps. It took us being mocked by white folks while they put on a black face. Mm -hmm. After that, it took us mocking ourselves. And then we had to be tokenized. And then we had to have very stereotypical st uh, stories. And then we had to be tricked into thinking that we had independence. And then we started to have sustained ownership within ourselves. The next step will be the complete eradication of capitalism, but we'll get to that. That's not the next step, but that's going down the line. So I want you, I w this is, T.D. Jakes is a Paul Robeson Negro of the Week because this idea trends towards danger but I'm not 100% sold on the idea. Right. You and I should be very hesitant about this, about this uh, proposed solution. Because I don't trust Wells Fargo. <laughs> and if the question was, how do we live without whiteness? 
and Wells Fargo was still very much a symbol of whiteness, then we have not achieved that goal. But if the execution of such is that we get affordable housing, that we get community grocery stores, and we get to have our own space, I understand. The thing that made me hesitant though, later on in that interview with T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes says black folks, brown folks, and even the impoverished whites need affordable housing. Right. <laughs> affordable housing is one of those nebulous terms that they use in the government to to say that the government controls the price of the housing in partnership with the private developer. Mm -hmm. It does not necessarily mean that what you are getting is at an affordable price. Mm. It never meant that. So when TD Jake starts using the language of the governments and systems of affordable housing, mm -hmm. let me see that price. Right. Because of affordable housing to you was a lease to own over a 30 year period, but the rent mortgage rate is $25,000, $3,500 for a mortgage, essentially. I don't know if that's affordable housing. I'm not a housing expert. That's actually a weakness of mine. But to someone who is living off of minimum wage, to someone who is the most vulnerable when it comes to the profits of the American capitalistic system. I don't know what affordable housing means, but sweetheart, if a person like TD Jakes, which we'll get to in a second, can do a thing like building uh, sustainable, affordable communities in partnership with larger corporations, is that a step forward or a step backward? Right. <laughs> and I say, and the reason why I, I am even got an asterisk on T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes, I have, I am not a man of God. So I have no internal qualms about a preacher going into private business with real estate and a previously racist organization. I have no qualms about that. Men do what men do. Where I am concerned is P.D. Jakes is also a capitalist. Mm -hmm. It's not, not even, even also T.D. Jakes is a capitalist. They had four businesses on that screen under T.D. Jakes. Right. Two of them were nonprofit. Two of them were for profit. And not, none of them were the church. <laughs> Paul Rose and Negro of the Week, because I believe this is the right step forward. If we are able to build sustainable, uh, affordable neighborhoods in, <laughs> then why are you making him the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week if you keep hesitating? Why? Because here's what happened, right? We gave the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week to Deion Sanders as well. Because at the time, Deion Sanders was presenting a blueprint that was perfect perfect for the development of HBCU athletic programs, assuming that Deion Sanders was also invested at the same source level of HBCU athletic programs. As time went on, we saw it wasn't the same. 
T.D. Jakes is in the same position of a Deion Sanders where he is saying, I can take black ownership, I can take our position in this capitalistic structure to a place where we're going to become more liberated, distant from white people. In four months, when he releases the prices of these houses, this whole thing could be wrong. Yeah. But we're not afraid about being wrong. It's not about being right or wrong. That's why he's Paul Robeson, Negro of the Week. Less about T.D. Jakes, more about creating sustainable and affordable communities that have grocery stores that are within themselves. I think there was another city like that before. Liberty City in Virginia mm. also could have been Bruce's Beach. I'm going to get to y'all punk niggas in a second, though. Uh -oh. Don't. Uh -uh. Also a Paul Robeson, Negro of the Week, Bruce's Beach. Go. Right. Oh, right. oh, right. oh, wait. Right. <laughs> oh, right. oh, oh, oh. Oh, I'm so tight. I'm so tight. Oh, I'm gonna get to y'all niggas in a minute. I'm gonna get to y'all niggas in another day. Oh my God. What happened? Right. Similar to the flooded town under Lake Lanier and in the, in the, in the, I think it's the dozens of other black cities soon as, uh, similar to Black Wall Street, this could be the path, but this also could just be a nefarious way in which whiteness is seeping into old black blueprints. We'll see. We got any comments? <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Drew said... Seeping into old black blueprints. <laughs> That's what they would do. Oh, I wonder if there is a... If there is a uh, the man, right? Mm -hmm. Right? And he's sitting on his council in some dark room, right? <laughs> I wonder if, like, when the 1619 Project came out, the white council read it and was like, whoa, oh shit, they figured it out. Okay, George, what do we do? I think, I think what they decided to do would be learn as much as they can about black history and the old blueprints mm -hmm. and then attack them. That's what I would do. Yeah. If something that good and that formative came out where it's causing like a global discussion and I'm and I'm on the White Council. All right. They got Martin Luther King already. <laughs> he old and he dead. Can I get T.D. Jakes? <laughs> anyway, what got some comments we are? I don't know. I just I just had a moment on the White Council. I don't know if it, you think there's a White Council. You think there's a group of white men like Mm. Definitely. Okay, for sure. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> um, Drew says, right now I'm working on a joke about how Juneteenth without critical race theory is just another day white people get off from work. Mm -hmm. I hate how people get called selling out when they become successful and use their success to help people. Who he said that? Drew. He didn't turn on his people or give up his values. Yet. Or did. See. Go ahead. Pastor. And then also the pastor forgives Wells Fargo and the benefit of capitalism. I mean, that's kind of convenient, but keep going. He also said Pastor Michael Bledger. Um, oh, that's the dude in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. He comes to Howard all the time, and I worked with him on alternative spring break. Okay. <clears throat> he also said my sister is trying to do something similar for South Dallas. She runs a nonprofit called Forest Forward, which focuses on bringing back the Forest Theater, which was once the Apollo of the South. And then he said she's taking it a step further, which also provides affordable housing for the community and a black arts school for the kids. <clears throat> the theater is expected to reopen first quarter next year, and I'm trying to rebuild my 
I'm trying to build my comedy career to have a special film there and sell out the audience. Of course. Of course. What else we got? On YouTube, Kendall says, good morning. Trying to wake up earlier to catch the bottom <laughs> mountain time. Good morning, Kendall. <laughs> good morning, man. What time? is It's, it's 6 o'clock? The show come on at 6 o'clock mountain time? Damn. Damn, bro. We love you. Right. We love you. Oof. You know what we got to do, Kendall? We got to come to Denver and do the show. That'll be popping. That would be super popping. Ooh. Yeah, ooh, indeed. Yeah. We got to come... We got to come to Denver and do the show in a very cinematic way with like mountains, just me and a lady house and two chairs and mountains in the background. <laughs> just mountain and, and wild Broncos on you know, some movie shit. Yeah, you know I mean, we got to do that. And then we got to go to the dispensaries. You know what I'm saying? We got to take this thing to the mountain. We got to take this thing to the mountain. We should do that for you. Yeah. We should and like, you know what I'm saying? Money would be cool. Partnerships would be cool. But like, most importantly, we should do that for you. Even yeah. if it's just you and your wife. <laughs> Me, you, laid in the house, your wife, in a wild field. <laughs> just a show. I'm with it. I'm with it. Will the people put $2 on it? We'll find out. And Natalie says, uh, Wells Fargo is funding NACA. They'll be posting back their wrongs for years. What's NACA? It's a, it's a program where you can get into housing or like buy a house for little to no money down i think it's like yeah, it's like a program it's kind of difficult to get in it i heard but <clears throat> yeah once you can get in it it's good because like i think there's like no down payment or something and yeah. really yeah i mean there's there's a lot of programs but naca specifically is like i feel like we need to go into a deep dive how beneficial is NACA towards black folks? Oh, is it, is it a black thing? I don't know if it's black owned, operated, run, but. Hmm. Yeah. Natalie, I must take a note. <laughs> I see my fancy fountain pen. Okay. I'm fancy. Y'all see my, y'all see my magazine shirt? Okay. Look at my kitty. <laughs> Sir, it's 8 a.m. Sorry. <laughs> what else we got? That's it? Uh, Kendall says, I could find a black space for y'all to do it in. Y'all would have a huge audience in Colorado Trust. The white guilt d <laughs> runs deep here. <laughs> oh, I seen uh, 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 Akilah just said she got 50 on it. Yeah, let's go. All right, we on the way, Kendall. We on the way, man. All right, y'all. Uh, oh, damn. I had one more thing I definitely wanted to to do. We got time, sweetheart? You got time? Or should we hold it till next time to get to the burning question of the roach? I know you got one. You wrote it down last night. <laughs> Lady of the house cheating with the burning question of the roach. How you gonna Ow. write it down last night? Cause I don't know. I just I'm just curious. This is completely unrelated. Okay. <clears throat> oh wait, hold on, hold on. It's time. Uh, or you want to do the you want to do the letter? We have 54 minutes. All right, let's say that to Tuesday. Okay. The, uh, we'll say the letter to Tuesday. We got a great letter that we could talk about um, on Tuesday. We'll read that out loud and have some responses to it. It's about white folks, because you know, season four is about whiteness. Oh yeah. That's how we gonna get. That's how we gonna get rid of blackness. We gonna get. We gonna get rid of race by get rid of whiteness. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's very. Telling you. Uh, mm -hmm. The theme is white guilt. White guilt. That's yeah. what it is. Pretty much. Good. They should be guilty. 
get them out of here. And just, just racism, like. <laughs> Your face, just. Mm, all right, then it's time for the burning question. For the roads. Where is the roads? It's out, but I've been. All right, let me see what you got. All right, pass me the roach. Throw me a question, sweetheart. I'm ready. <clears throat> um, okay, I'm presenting you with two options. Oh. Okay. You got a red pill and a blue pill. Okay. Red pill is you can restart your life at six years of age with all the knowledge you have now. Okay. And the blue pill gives you $10 million in cash. $10 million in cash. Oh. <laughs> You're not even going to think about no, it. No, I'm good. I'm good. Why? I'm good. I don't want to be six again. I don't want to do that shit again. I don't want to go through school again. <sighs> even knowing everything Fuck you need now? Fuck no. <laughs> Why? If I know everything I need now and I have $10 million, I'm good. I don't need the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you knew everything you know now at six years old, you can just... Bro, I am a black man, okay? Take it. <laughs> if we redo this, I might get shot. I might get lynched. They might catch me when, they, when I was running away that one time. Fuck no, I'm good, bruh. I'm good. I'm good. What is the purpose of being six again? So I'm gonna be 34, attracted to 34 year old women at six years old. That's what you're saying? No, I'm saying like- I'm gonna know how to fuck at oh, six wow. years old. Right. You, you said all the things that I know now? All right. I'm gonna have an advanced knowledge of critical race theory at six yeah you think that's good hell no i read i read native son at 10 years old that was way too early hold on are you going back to six I would at least think about it. Wow. If I can avoid a lot of the shit that I went through in life. Do you think the get you, to where I am now or a better place yeah. a lot sooner? I'm not I'm more thinking about life. Not me. Like just because I might have been smarter doesn't mean that life would avoid me in certain ways. That's what I would be concerned about. Like I, I have to, I have been in a lot of risky situations that were not dependent upon my actions. Okay. Like I was just put into risky situations, regardless if I took left or right, I was going to be in that situation. I don't trust life to work out the same way that it did the first time. Okay. So like, Risk it again? I've been in 50-50 situations. <laughs> Flip the coin again? No. Oh, no. Versus having like, at least what it seems to be, uh, if you get $10 million, you're thrown at least 100,000 opportunities right now with the knowledge that you know already. Oh, is the other thought that you think that you could make more than $10 million between six and now? Knowing the things that you know now? 
responsibility. I don't. I'm not that smart. I don't know how to make ten million dollars now. <laughs> Me and the lady of the house just looking at each other in the face right now. <laughs> You said you had two questions? No. Oh, that was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, two options. That was a good question, though. That was a good question, though. It really puts into perspective, like, yeah, like, it's not the, it's not even about me. It's not even the capacity of what I'd be able to do. It'd just be like. We don't want to bet on those odds. Yeah. And you want to go to second grade again? <laughs> like, you want to go to second grade already knowing how to spell? Like, ugh. So then you can go straight to college. <laughs> you want to be in college at seven? <laughs> I don't know. Take all the time off until you get 18 years old. <laughs> go travel. Some shit. You want to track? You want to go to Fiji at 15? Yeah, you could look, be a, you could be a public speaker. You could go do fucking TED Talks at seven with all the knowledge you have now, make a whole lot of money. And then by the time you turn 18, decide you want to go to college and have that experience. Just because, I don't know, but I hear you. No, when you put it that way, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you uh, you want a TED talk at seven? <laughs> like as a thirty-four year old, it's cool. But like, then you you'd also still be seven. You think you don't? Hold on, hold on. If you go back to seven, does that mean that you don't enjoy the things that seven-year-olds enjoy? Probably not, because you have all the knowledge you have now, right? Oh, that's even worse then. True. Well, Being I mean, seven still, was cool. But you're still a kid, like, you know? So there's still always going to be that childlike aspect of you. You're not, like, mature yet. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Yeah, I'm still taking the 10 mil, though. That's I'm fine. still taking yeah. the 10 mil. And what, you didn't give me a definitive choice. What you mean? You said you would think about it. Which one would you do? Would you, would you, would you red pill it or would you blue pill it? I mean, when you, I didn't think about the, the fact that there are other factors at play. Like everything that has happened in life was not necessarily indicative of the choices I made. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if I'd, <laughs> I'd play with those odds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could, like, I know what I would do with 10 million if I had it now, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. What are people saying? Uh, oh, damn, I can't see it on YouTube. Oh, I think Kendall said, am I seven in 2023 or in the 90s? That's a good question. That's a good question. Are you going back in time or are you just reverting age? Ooh. Hmm. Would you want to be seven now? Oh, I'd, boo. I'd want to be seven in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, seven now is kind of. I wouldn't want to be seven now. With social media? Yeah, I'm good off the. I'm good off the. Yeah. Yeah, if I could, if I could be seven at any time, I guess seven in 1990 would be dope. Yeah. Yeah. Because when Friday come out? 98? 96, 95. Somewhere around there. Hell yeah. That'd be, that'd be love. What else? Um, 
Akilah said, the information is nice, yet my experiences are still evolving and are situational, so nah. I can't see the rest of it, but she said, I'll take the money. Okay. That way I can give more to the <laughs> Denver trip. Hey. <laughs> Going back also impacts all of time. No. Like, how you know Obama's still going to be president? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Rihanna. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? It took me far. It took me deep. Yeah. It took me deep. All right, y'all. We're going to wrap this thing up. Um, We appreciate y'all joining this week. As always, you can check us out next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday and Thursday, 8 a.m. ish. What is this guitar I'm playing? Like shit. Wake and bake. We be We'll be right back. On Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to leave you with a little video tease from my man, Micah Robinson, M-I-C-A-H Robinson. Make sure y'all go check out Tone Che on all streaming platforms. All right, check that out, and we'll see y'all next week. Oh, and make sure you check out the instant replay, the clips, the TikTok. Make sure you liking and subscribing and telling your friends and doing all the things you're supposed to be doing and subscribing to the new Blueprint newsletter and saying good morning to the lady at the house. Buy a magazine. Check out Jada. Love yourself. Good morning. Peace. <laughs> Baby, can we